listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. What is up? Welcome back to the ULOF podcast. We are so glad that you're here, man. It has been a whole summer since we have got together to record an episode, and I, for one, am glad to be back. My name is Kendall Kersey, and I am one of your hosts for the ULOF podcast, and I'm joined with the chocolate voice himself, the man who asks all the questions and maybe has some answers, Michael Bond. Hey, what's up, everybody? So glad to be back with you all for the next season of the Uloft podcast. Heck yeah. So um, we've got some questions that kind of follow up a little bit with uh, with our Unites. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing throughout the um, semester. This season of the podcast is um, we're going to be following up with some questions that maybe were left unanswered from a sermon or left unanswered from a talk or that just kind of came about Um as we were speaking on a Tuesday night. So we record these on Wednesday mornings um, to get put out over the weekend. And um, so if you have not made it to a Unite, um, that's Tuesday nights, 727 at the Indiana Theater in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Um, And we're working on continuing to hopefully be able to live stream some stuff so that if you're listening to this from anywhere else, that you don't miss out on the original context of uh, this content. So um, anyways, Michael. You've got some questions for us today that kind of follow up with last night. So what is on your brain? Right on. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, First question, how far should Christians go when it comes to self-preservation? And you can think of this like, should Christians prioritize their own ambitions in the workplace? Uh, What should Christians Mm -hmm. do when they feel like maybe they're in danger? Uh, When do they draw the line between nonviolence and violence? All that sort of stuff is sort of wrapped into this idea of self-preservation because we want to love people. We want to be gracious, but at the same time, when do we stand our ground and when do we stick up for what we believe is right? Man, that's a hard hitting question already. (laughs) Yeah, You're just jumping right in, dude. Um, so the first thing that I go to, and this is not the the immediate answer, but as you're asking, the very first thing I go to um, mentally is, uh, or biblically, is in Acts when Paul basically says that he counts his life nothing unless it is poured out for um, for the gospel. Like he counts his life as absolutely nothing unless he is doing the work that God has made him, created him to do. And I think that has to be our first mindset in everything is like, cause you talked about ambition. You talked about, um, you know, when do we act on violence or when do we have violence or when do we stand up for something or whatever? And I think the answer is wrapped into, um, is the gospel being preached in some way? And if it's not being preached in some way in my actions where it is not, uh, it's not the fruits of the spirit or it's not, um, showing the love of Christ, then the gospel is not being preached. So if I think, um, well, let's take, let's, let's go here. Let's go here, Michael. Let's go here. So there's a lot of Christians out there and a lot of non-Christians, but a lot of Christians out there, especially right now who are, um, 
very vocal about their beliefs one way or the other with the COVID pandemic, with vaccinations, with masks, with no vaccinations, with no masks. It really doesn't matter what side of the argument anybody is on. There's Christians on either side of the argument. And both sides of the argument are about self-preservation, are about, I want to make sure my rights are taken care of, that my freedoms are not infringed upon, or the other side of, I want to make sure that I'm safe and that my family is safe and that the people that I love are safe. And either, I'm not here to make a statement on either one of those. What I'm saying is, though, the way you do it matters. And if you are arguing without your argument being laced with love, and kindness, and gentleness, and patience, and peace, then you're not preaching the gospel, and you're not upholding the gospel, and therefore, your self-preservation of whatever you believe is technically in the wrong. And then I go in and I think about, as well, like I think about, um, well, man, I think about the Christians that are in Afghanistan right now. Mm, yeah, that's, that's where my like, mind went. They don't really have an option to have self-preservation. Like, if they're going to go, if, if, if they're going to take the ultimate step, there is no self-preservation. If they're going to take the ultimate step in martyrdom, right? And mm -hmm. say, no, I am a Christian and I'm not backing down. They've chosen to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Right, right. And in their mind, there is no self-preservation. There is only my life will be a statement for the gospel of Jesus. And even if this person is killing me for believing that, maybe my death will make him think differently. Yeah. Maybe. But regardless, I'm ready to see Jesus. And so I don't know that we, I don't know that we get to have self-preservation, honestly. I mean, and I'll let you talk on that, but I don't know that we get to have self-preservation. I mean, we, Paul talks about it all the time, like, there's Christians suffering all around the world for Jesus and we should be suffering with them essentially like in our spirit. We should, we should be reminded of those things. Like I don't think Christianity is, is cushy or comfortable all the time. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, you know, he had an opportunity to flee Germany and come to America and teach. And he decided to stay there with his people because he you know, wasn't happy about what was happening in his country and he wanted to act to be salt and light and that sort of thing and preach the gospel. And he ended up losing his life, uh, you know, as a consequence of remaining in that area. And I think that, you know, maybe we could see some uh, parallel with the Christians in Afghanistan um, if they had an opportunity to leave. Uh, and they chose to stay to minister to the people. Like I've heard of Christians choosing to stay to minister to the Taliban, to, yeah. to you know, to minister. That's wild. And it's yeah, super bold, super yeah, uh, crazy. And and you can see in their decision to do that that their that the gospel is preeminent in their values. It's the it's the one thing that they're yeah. interested in doing, even if it costs them their life. And so I think that um, I certainly wouldn't question their martyrdom as a good th as a good thing um and then I, sometimes i wonder though like if bonhoeffer had left germany and had had been able to live longer and teach more if his impact would have been greater i don't really know i don't think so um obviously that's kind of a non-starter because we mm -hmm. can't we can't know um but well, just he, he had a big impact his death resulted in a big impact i mean there's been lots of books written about him like he, a lot of people know his name he's a regular in uh, seminary and that sort of thing yeah um so i guess it's hard to measure the impact of self-sacrifice over against self-preservation in the intent to 
continue working. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, no, you can't ever live in the what if, right? Like regardless of what the situation is, you can't ever live in the what if. But as, as we're talking about self-preservation, I go immediately uh, now, like I think about what about Jesus? Like what the gospel is based on. What if Jesus was worried about self-preservation? You know, instead he was fully man. He was tempted in every way that we are tempted. Like fully man and fully God. Let me finish that statement. <laughs> I'm not a heretic. Uh, he was fully man and fully God. And yet he gave, he came to gave, give himself up for the greater good, for the sake of the gospel before the gospel was even really fully, uh, fully um, fleshed out essentially. And that's the thing is like, we're called to do the exact same thing. We're called to lay down our lives. And I think that in Westernized American uh, Christianity, we want we want to self-preserve. We want to uh, be blessed with provisional things. We want to be blessed with emotional things. We want to be um, on the mountaintop, so to speak. But the reality is that most of the Christians in this world are not living that life. They're not concerned with self-preservation. They're not concerned with, um, am I getting what I need to out of this relationship, me and God? No, they're concerned with spreading the gospel. They're concerned with, I'm going to live my life in such a way that even if death is at my door, I'm going to preach about it. I'm going to, I'm going to preach about the fact that Jesus Christ saved me and raised me from the dead and that he can do the same for you if you only believe and confess. Like, I don't think we get to think about self-preservation, to be honest. Well, do you think that all self-preservation is off the menu? So I think about like... Um when the crowds were coming for Christ and he disappeared, you know, he kind of evaded them because it wasn't his time yet. Yeah. And then I think uh, about situations where maybe you're stuck in a, in a, a relationship or like a toxic relationship, a dysfunctional relationship, or maybe you are stuck in a toxic work environment or someplace where the way out would be self-preservation. And so if, if it becomes the Christian way to, um, to spurn any kinds of self-preservation, would we end up in certain situations being locked in environments where we're not fulfilling our calling? Or would we end up uh, diverting from the will of God for our life? Mm. Like if Christ had in that situation where the crowds were coming for him, if he would, if he'd just been like, well, okay, I'm just going to let them have me because I'm giving myself up for mm -hmm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. Then the crucifixion wouldn't have taken place. So it's weird because it's like, it's, it's self-preservation, but it's self-preservation leading up to so, the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, no. So I, I don't, I think that you need to reframe it and say, again, it's all about the gospel. It's all about, do I have an opportunity in this moment to share the gospel uh, with the way that I live? If so, so take for your instance, um, a, a workplace or whatever workplace environment that's absolutely dragging you down and like making you a worse person. And you guess what? In that moment, if you're not preaching the gospel because your work environment's making you a worse person or a relationship is making you a worse person and they are having greater influence over you than you are over them, then I don't think that's self-preservation. I think that is like a soul preservation, one. And then two, that is a gospel preservation, essentially. Like your ability to preach the gospel or your ability to live out the gospel, I think that's what we're preserving. I don't think that we can think about ourselves in the preservation process. I think that what we've got to do is we've got to think about our souls and we've got to think about um, our witness. So if we think about our souls and our witness, 
those are the two things that matter. Our rallying cry essentially for the uh, for the um, for the leadership at United this year is going to be eyes towards heaven. It is mm-hmm. eyes towards heaven, and I and the reason why is because every decision we make, every interaction that we have, every relationship that we have, every uh, task that we have, we want to make sure that we are doing it with our eyes towards heaven, with saying, "God, we want Your kingdom to come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and nothing else." And that's all that we care about, really. And I think if you if you um, pass your relationships through that filter, if you pass your um, circumstances through that filter, if you pass your work through that filter, I think you can't go wrong. If you Mm -hmm. pass the filter with your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if we take the the fact of Jesus basically teleporting (laughs) and getting out of there, that is your kingdom come, your will be done, God. Because God, you know the timing, you know the place, you know how it needs to be. So I don't think that's a self-preservation. I think that is saying, I know what God wants to do in this moment. And I know that this is not it. I need to move on. Yeah, you know? I like that. I like that. It's like a um, a preservation of God's will for your life, or uh, maybe a more of like, not a preservation of God's will, but a keeping yourself in the will of God. Mm -hmm. So you can think of it like uh, Potiphar's wife um, Mm -hmm. and Joseph, you know, like when she's trying to uh, sleep with him and he runs away. Some people might look at that and think, oh, well, he's, you know, he's preserving himself against adultery, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe he's thinking of it in terms of, okay, I need to do what's right by God and this is not it. Well, dude, I mean, that that story is awesome. Potiphar, by the way. Did you say Potiphar? Uh, Potiphar. (laughs) Oh man. Okay. That's fine. If you want to call him Potiphar, Potiphar, I don't know. Potiphar. That's what I'm calling him. That's what we call him in Texas. Potiphar. There we go. (laughs) Old Potiphar. Uh, So if you take the story of Joseph running away from his wife or from Potiphar's wife, uh, and basically what I would say is that he didn't preserve himself physically. He actually made more problems for himself by running away um, in that moment. And we again, we can play the what if game, and maybe he did sleep with Potiphar's wife, and now he now he makes some other issues for himself. But he, that dude got thrown in jail after that. Like he got thrown in jail after that, and that wasn't his concern. His concern was, I've got to save my soul. I've got to do what God has called me to do. This is not me. This is not who God created me to be, and I'm moving on. And that was before the gospel was even around. But he was so devoted to God's will and so devoted to um, being upright and being righteous that he he ran. And so that's not a self-preservation bodily. I think that's a soul preservation, and we've yeah. got to keep our mindset on that. Like, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next question. That was a that was a a great segue, man. That's good. That's good. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got to work on the segues, bro. <laughs> segues. Okay, this is me segueing to the next question. Can you picture it? I'm on a segue and I'm rolling over to the next question, and now here we are. You be on we a hoverboard. Arrived. My kids want a hoverboard. They ask me every day, Daddy, can I get a hoverboard when it's Christmas? And I'm like, you're six. You're going to die on a hoverboard. I keep asking for a segue to to move around some at church. You know, just, ooh, Dude, so I have a friend who uh, went viral on TikTok. And he went and his video got picked up by Rob Deerdeck's ridiculousness on MTV. Like Rob Deerdeck himself emailed him because he wouldn't respond to the producers because he thought it was spam. <laughs> so Rob Deerdeck e- emailed him. Um, and uh, the video is literally a a landscaper on a hoverboard, weed eating like a hundred yards worth of sidewalk. 
Wow. Yeah. And so he's just flying down the sidewalk on a hoverboard going, just weed eating it. And my friend videoed it, put it on TikTok with some, you know, whatever uh, song of the day. And it has like 8 million views or something ridiculous. Wow, man. Necessity is the mother of invention. Indeed. There's your segue. That's a great segue. <laughs> uh, so we'll go straight from levity to deep and serious and depressing. Uh, next question is, how do you serve God during seasons when you hate God? Um, so, okay. Oftentimes, I think in Christianity, we think about the believer and the unbeliever. So we think, okay, this person believes in God, has faith in God. That's good. This person doesn't believe in God, does not have faith in God. That's not good. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes think we overlook the section of people who believe in God and, uh, you know, they believe that God is real, uh, but they do not like God uh, for whatever reason. Usually this is tied to suffering um, or what they would what they would determine as meaningless suffering. Uh, either in their own life or the life of their loved ones. It is the case that there are situations where uh, something tragic happens and we know God could have stopped it mm -hmm. and we don't know why he didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that the road from that to animosity against God is very short. And I think the the proper response I would give to something like that is, well, just because we don't know why something happened doesn't mean that we shouldn't trust that God is working all things together for the ultimate good, for the best pot, best of all worlds. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't really hit very well with people who have, um, who've suffered in this way. Yeah. And, when you tell people that it, it feels calloused, right? Well, Hey God, God's sovereign. Mm -hmm. He's got everything taken care of. It's going to be okay. And you don't always feel that that might be the truth. But that's not, um, <laughs> to me, that's not the truth shared in love, mm -hmm. right? That's the truth shared in truth and absolute. And the truth is absolute, but we have to share it in love as well. And, you know, I know that I've experienced particular uh, seasons in my life um, with my mom getting sick when I was a teenager. Like there would be people who would say that, hey, God's sovereign. It's going to be okay. She'll be healed. And if not on, not on earth, then in heaven. So it's okay. Don't worry about it. And those are like, those are really hard things to hear, right? Those aren't empathetic things to hear. And I'm not the most empathetic person, but even then, like that's difficult for someone to hear. And I think if you tell someone just the truth and cut and dry, hey, God's good all the time, all the time, God's good. Romans 8, 28, he works everything out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Do you love him? Are you called? Okay, good. He's going to work it all out for your good. Like all of those promises seem to fall flat when you're in the midst of trauma when you're in the midst of heartache, when you're in the midst of pain. And so I think the way that you serve God, it obviously looks completely different than if everything was going great. But what I think you do is you look at the scriptures, like read through someone else's suffering, read through the book of Job. I mean, there was plenty of times in Job when Job was at his like wits end. Like, God, what are you doing? You know? You've forsaken me. Like, why, why are you doing this? And there's plenty of times in Psalms, in the Psalms, where the psalmist is crying out, like, I'm on my deathbed. I'm going to die. Like, if you don't come through, I'm going to be, I'm going to, you're going to slay me. Like, and I was reading through, actually, this morning, I was reading through um, Psalm 119, 65 through 96. And in this particular uh, area, Psalm 119 is all about, like, the love of the word of God. Like that no matter what, 
the word of God is good and I'm going to cling to it and I'm going to memorize it and it's the only way to stay pure and all this. Well, in, uh, I think it's verse 82, I think it's Psalm 119 verse 82, um, the psalmist, whoever wrote this Psalm 119, he basically says like, I'm close to death, but even though I'm close to death, I'm going to cling to your word. And even though my enemies are against me, I'm going to cling to your word. And we don't know exactly what he was going through, but I think that's the key is that serving God in the midst of maybe hating God does not mean put a smile on your face, buck up, splash some water in your face and get out there and be joyful, have the joy of the Lord all over you. What I think it is truly is cling to the word of God. Write yourself scripture on post-it notes and put it on your mirror. And you might read it every once in a while and be like, yeah, right. Not today. I don't believe Mm -hmm. that. But if you see it every day, at some point, the word of God, Hebrews says that is it cuts deeper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts down and cuts through the sinews and all of the bone, the marrow straight to the heart of a man. And so I truly believe that if you're in a season where you're in pain and in, in, all you want to do is self-preserve, right? Like you want to make yourself feel better. You want that healing or you want um, you want things to be quote unquote made right. I say cling to the word of God and spend some time in the Psalms. Spend some time reading the book of Job. I mean, Job's life sucked. Like right. it was terrible, yeah. you know? So much death and destruction. And I know just in my time, like, Anytime when I feel completely broken for something or whatever, or I want to yell at God, why? Why would you do this? Mm-hmm. Like I have to ground myself in the word, so, or I'm gonna I'm gonna take that step too far off the cliff. Right. Yeah. I like the idea <clears throat> of kind of drawing in and focusing on scripture. And um, so I would ask you a couple questions off of that do you think that that would look like changing styles of worship? So if you, if you go to a particular church, wherever it is, where their style of worship doesn't really integrate much of the acknowledgement of suffering and the acknowledgement of difficulty, and it's kind of focused on the joy of the Lord and kind of upbeat Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Do you think that it would be good for someone who's going through a season like this to maybe uh, attend somewhere else or to like maybe just go down to only being part of a small group, like a grief share or something like that. Do you think they should stay away from collective worship temporarily until they feel like their heart is ready to be in that moment? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Cause I've seen that happen. And even though that you might not want to engage in that, I believe that surrounding yourself with the body of Christ, with believers who believe that the joy of the Lord is their strength and they're going to praise God, I think is a good thing. And it might not feel like it's a good thing in the moment. It might feel terrible. You might be cynical about it. I fully believe that if you still surround yourself with the people of God and you don't recluse and shrink back, that God does work through that. Now, that being said, I think that we have a book of lamentations in the Bible for a reason. Mm-hmm. We have a book of laments for a reason. And I think that there are, there are periods of time in our life that maybe we still go to church on a Sunday and we still worship with those people or we sit in the room with the people worshiping. But the, 
lamenting can definitely happen throughout the week. I mean, there was times when I asked my dad, I think I've told this story before, but I asked my dad one time on Sundays, like, hey, I don't ever cry about mom throughout the week. And this is when I was like 14 or 15, maybe 16. I was like, I don't do that throughout the week. But when I come to church, that's all I can think about. And I just freaking ball. Like, I can't do anything but cry. And he told me, he's like, well, sometimes like throughout the week, you're not thinking about the presence of God and you're not thinking about like the pain. You're not grieving properly. You're not allowing God to heal that. And he said, sometimes on the weekends, when you're in the presence of God, you have to allow God to heal that. And sometimes that's through tears and you can't sing and you can't worship. And maybe you can't even formulate a prayer, but God created you to cry and to grieve that way. And so this is your way of grieving. And yeah, you should be doing it throughout the week by entering into God's presence, but you're kind of forced into God's presence essentially on a Sunday because you're surrounded and you're grieving. So like, no, you shouldn't go away from that. But secondly, you should definitely try, even if it's just a verse a day, to focus on, you know, to get God's truth in you because that's what's going to change things. It's not, your circumstances are going to change for the most part, right? Like say say you had a death, right? You're Like my friend just recently, he, he committed suicide and nothing's going to bring him back. Absolutely nothing. And it breaks my heart, man. Like every time I think about it, I want to cry. Um, even now. And um, nothing's going to bring him back. The circumstance is not going to change. But what I have to do is I have to cling to hope because, um, and I know we're almost out of time, but I want to say this because I believe that the Holy Spirit gave it to me a, a couple of um, a couple of days ago as I was thinking about Corey's death, um, is that the Bible says that hope deferred makes a heart sick, makes one sick. And I was thinking about the correlation between hope and between joy. And I was thinking about the fact that when my hope is in earthly things and when my hope is in uh, people or my hope is in a circumstance or my hope is in a relationship or my hope is in an opportunity, those opportunities or relationships, relationships or circumstances will be deferred at some point. Like in deferred meaning that they will they will wash away. They will go away. They will wither away at some point. Or the opportunity comes, it's there, and then it goes away. I have a, the job of my life. I've wanted it. And guess what? 10 years later, I have a different job and I have to do something else or whatever. And so like you continually have hope deferred because it's in things that are not eternal. And so you can't actually find full joy in those things, right? In those circumstances, in those relationships. But hope that leads to joy is a hope that is in Christ and is a hope that is in heaven. And that one day everything is made right and that one day everything is uh, justified and that one day I get to see people that I've lost in heaven who believe in Jesus. Like that's what, that's the hope that leads to joy. It's not hope that is in earthly things because those things all fade away. And so I think a lot of times the reason why we get to this place where we hate God or when we want to cry out to God and say, how dare you, is that we've staked our hope in that we'll always have this relationship mm -hmm. or we've staked our hope in that they'll always be around or I sure hope I get that you know, that job or that career. And when it doesn't happen, that hope is deferred. And now my heart is sick mm -hmm. and I can't put my hope in earthly things because when I do, I will never have fullness of joy. Yeah. So, that's really good, man. I, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Yeah. I, I encourage you if you're listening to this right now and you are in a tough spot, 
or if you're going to be in a tough spot, which guess what? That's everybody listening. Everybody who has an ear and is hearing this word right now, you are going to be in a tough spot in your life if you're not right now. And I would say to you, cling to the word of God, because what it does is it puts your hope in something that is eternal and reminds you that you are a part of an eternal story. When you read the book of Job, that happened thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, and you are a part of that eternal story. And God has remained the same throughout the internal story, and he's going to stay the same throughout the eternal story. So put your hope in in him and in his word. And I'm not going to say everything's going to be all right because it's not on earth, but there will be a peace that that can overcome you. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be a discipline sometimes, but if we can preserve our souls, that's what matters, right? Right on. Yeah. So guys, thank you for listening to us. Michael, thank you for the deepest of questions. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you guys for being at the Uloft. Uh, hey, we want to invite you to next Tuesday. Um, whenever you're listening to this, the next Tuesday is going to be a Unite. So 727 at the Indiana Theater on Philadelphia Street. That's 18 to 30-somethings. Um, man, you need to come out and you need to um, experience God because that's what we do on Tuesday nights. So I would love to see you there. And hey, if you come and you're like, hey, the reason I'm here is because of the podcast, then let us know because that would be really cool to see. So um, love you guys, and I hope that you have an incredible week. See ya. Thanks for listening to the ULOC podcast presented by United IUP. If you would like to join our community, visit unitediup.com or follow us on Instagram at United IUP. United meets every Tuesday at 727 p.m. in the Indiana Theater located at 637 Philadelphia Street in Indiana, PA. Come live United.